Today is November 10th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back to the podcast where we are reading through the Bible in a year and we're getting in flow in every area of our lives. We are on a journey, a mission, a quest to become the best versions of ourselves through the transformative work of the Word of God. I am so glad that you're here with me today. And we've got some amazing passages today that are going to make us think, feel, and grow if we are open and receptive to it. We're going to read more from Ezekiel, Hebrews, and of course, as always, our Psalms and our Proverbs. And the themes that we're going to explore today cover God's judgment, God's will, God's praise, and His protection. Those are just a few of the ones that I found. You might see something else. Are y'all ready to get into this word with me and get into this flow? Let's do it. Ezekiel chapters 21 and 22, New Living Translation, The Lord's Sword of Judgment. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, turn and face Jerusalem and prophesy against Israel and her sanctuaries. Tell her, this is what the Lord says. I am your enemy, O Israel, and I am about to unsheath my sword to destroy your people, the righteous and the wicked alike. Yes, I will cut off both the righteous and the wicked. I will draw my sword against everyone in the land from south to north. Everyone in the world will know that I am the Lord. My sword is in my hand, and it will not return to its sheath until its work is finished. Son of man, groan before the people, groan before them with bitter anguish and a broken heart. When they ask why you are groaning, tell them, I groan because of the terrifying news I have heard. When it comes true, the boldest heart will melt with fear. All strength will disappear. Every spirit will faint. Strong knees will become as weak as water. And the sovereign Lord says, it is coming. It's on its way. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, give the people this message from the Lord. A sword, a sword is being sharpened and polished. It is sharpened for terrible slaughter and polished to flash like lightning. Now will you laugh? Those far stronger than you have fallen beneath its power. Yes, the sword is now being sharpened and polished. It is being prepared for the executioner. Son of man, cry out and wail. Pound your thighs in anguish. For that sword will slaughter my people and their leaders. Everyone will die. It will put them all to the test. What chance do they have, says the sovereign Lord? Son of man, prophesy to them and clap your hands. Then take the sword and brandish it twice, even three times, to symbolize the great massacre, the great massacre facing them on every side. Let their hearts melt with terror, for the sword glitters at every gate. It flashes like lightning and is polished for slaughter. O sword, slash to the right, then slash to the left. Wherever you will, wherever you want, I too will clap my hands, and I will satisfy my fury. I, the Lord, have spoken. Omens for Babylon's king. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, make a map and trace two routes on it for the sword of Babylon's king to follow. Put a signpost on the road that comes out of Babylon where the road forks into two. One road going to Ammon and its capital, Rabbah, 
and the other to Judah and fortified Jerusalem. The king of Babylon now stands at the fork, uncertain whether to attack Jerusalem or Rabbah. He calls his magicians to look for omens. They cast lots by shaking arrows from the quiver. They inspect the livers of animal sacrifices. The omen in his right hand says, Jerusalem, with battering rams, his soldiers will go against the gates, shouting for the kill. They will put up siege towers and build ramps against the walls. The people of Jerusalem will think it is a false omen because of their treaty with the Babylonians. But the king of Babylon will remind the people of their rebellion. Then he will attack and capture them. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Again and again, you remind me of your sin and your guilt. You don't even try to hide it. In everything you do, your sins are obvious for all to see. So now the time of your punishment has come. Oh, you corrupt and wicked prince of Israel, your final day of reckoning is here. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Take off your jeweled crown, for the old order changes. Now the lowly will be exalted and the mighty will be brought down. Destruction, destruction, I will surely destroy the kingdom, and it will not be restored until the one appears who has the right to judge it. Then I will hand it over to him. A message for the Ammonites. And now, son of man, prophesy concerning the Ammonites and their mockery. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. A sword, a sword is drawn for your slaughter. It is polished to destroy, flashing like lightning. Your prophets have given false visions and your fortune tellers have told lies. The sword will fall on the necks of the wicked for whom the day of final reckoning has come. Now return the sword to its sheath, for in your own country, the land of your birth, I will pass judgment upon you. I will pour out my fury on you and blow on you with the fire of my anger. I will hand you over to cruel men who are skilled in destruction. You will be fuel for the fire and your blood will be spilled in your own hand. You will be utterly wiped out, your memory lost to history, for I, the Lord, have spoken. The Sins of Jerusalem now this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, are you ready to judge Jerusalem? Are you ready to judge this city of murderers? Publicly denounce her detestable sins and give her this message from the sovereign Lord. O city of murderers, doomed and damned, city of idols, filthy and foul, you are guilty because of the blood you have shed. You are defiled because of the idols you have made. Your day of destruction has come. You have reached the end of your years. I will make you an object of mockery throughout the world. O infamous city filled with confusion, you will be mocked by people far and near. Every leader in Israel who lives within your walls is bent on murder. Fathers and mothers are treated with contempt. Foreigners are forced to pay for protection. Orphans and widows are wronged and oppressed among you. You despise my holy things and violate my Sabbath days of rest. People accuse others falsely and send them to their death. You are filled with idol worshippers and people who do obscene things. Men sleep with their fathers' wives and force themselves on women who are menstruating. Within your walls live men who commit adultery with their neighbors' wives, who defy their daughters-in-law or who rape their own sisters. There are hired murderers, lone racketeers, and extortioners everywhere. They never even think of me in my command, says the Sovereign Lord. But now I clap my hands in indignation over your dishonest gain and bloodshed. How strong 
and courageous will you be in my day of reckoning. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what I said. I will scatter you among the nations and purge you of your wickedness. And when I have been dishonored among the nations because of you, you will know that I am the Lord. The Lord's refining furnace. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, the people of Israel are the worthless slag that remains after silver is smelted. They are the dross that is left over, a useless mixture of copper, tin, iron, and lead. So tell them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you are all worthless slag, I will bring you to my crucible in Jerusalem. Just as silver, copper, iron, lead, and tin are melted down in a furnace, I will melt you down in the heat of my fury. I will gather you together and blow the fire of my anger upon you, and you will melt like silver in fierce heat. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. The Sins of Israel's Leaders Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you will be like a polluted land, a land without rain. Your princes plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath day so that I am dishonored among them. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord. When the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them, even common people oppress the poor rob the needy and deprive foreigners of justice. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all their sins. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 17. Christ's sacrifice once for all. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. 
First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made Made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Psalm 108, a song, a psalm of David. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises with all my heart. Wake up, liar and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Now rest Rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. God has promised this by his holiness. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors, and Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. But Moab, my washbasin, will become my servant, and I will wipe my feet on Edom and shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will bring me victory over Edom? Have you rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? Oh, please help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Okay, so what we read in Ezekiel today in chapters 21 and 22 brings us to a dramatic high point in Ezekiel's prophecy. These are some of the most difficult and disturbing chapters in the whole Bible. They depict the wrath and the fury of God against his own people who have rebelled against him and have committed all kinds of detestable, disgusting acts and abominations. When God unsheathes his sharpened sword in chapter 21, this isn't just a metaphor. Ezekiel is referencing the impending Babylonian invasion that's going to bring brutal violence and suffering across the board. And we've read about the Babylonian exile a couple of times now, but now we're getting it through Ezekiel and through his visions. 
The sword cutting down young and old alike, righteous and wicked alike, it shows us how war affects entire populations regardless of innocence. And I sometimes wrestle with that. It is the age-old question of why the righteous suffer alongside the wicked. And of course, that calls to mind what we're seeing right now with the Israel-Hamas-Israel-Palestinian conflict. You're seeing all of these innocent people, babies, children, mothers, fathers, who are basically being caught in the crossfire. But back to the Bible, the signpost at the crossroads also caught my attention. I'm not sure if you guys caught that, but that fork in the road that Ezekiel talks about. Does this mean that God hadn't decided Jerusalem's exact fate? More than likely, this is a metaphor for how, from a human perspective, life seems full of ambiguity and chance happenings. But we can take comfort in knowing that God remains sovereign over all seeming randomness and ambiguity. He knows the way, even when we don't, even when we feel lost, God has it all mapped out for us. The fiery furnace analogy in chapter 22, this powerfully portrays Jerusalem's sin burning away any righteousness or hope of redemption. God longs. And this really touched me too, for someone to intercede for the city as Abraham pleaded for Sodom. But tragically, he can find no one, not a single person. And by this point, Jerusalem's fate is sealed. Ezekiel is urging us to look deeper than surface events. There's so much here to unpack and explore. You'll have to do a lot of it in your own personal time because I can't do it all here. But we can examine the pride, the injustice, the hypocrisy, and the faithlessness that led to Jerusalem's downfall, the depravity, the idolatry, the rebelliousness. Sin always has consequences. God takes no pleasure in punishment, but he can't let sin run rampant and unchecked. However, all of that said, Amidst the backdrop of all of this tragedy and the warnings in these passages, there is some hope, right? There's a, there's a glimmer there because beyond the refining fire of God's judgment is his promise of restored hearts, a new covenant, and his presence returning to his people. Y'all, today, let's contemplate how this sacred narrative might be relevant and resonant in our lives today? How is God trying to purify our hearts and minds at this very moment? How is he trying to move us from a place of judgment to a space that is graced by his empowering hope and restoration? Let's really try to embrace the lessons that we're finding in these scriptures, in these passages, so that we can courageously pursue a deeper relationship with God and trusting both his word and his work in our lives. Okay, so I hope that that was helpful. I hope that maybe this is challenging you or prompting you to think about things a little differently, a little deeper. Let's pray together, y'all, and let's thank God for his word and his work in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, as we 
walked through this potent landscape of Ezekiel's prophecy, we are so deeply struck by your holy justice and your boundless grace, where your wrath and your mercy intertwine. We see your perfection and the balance between judge and savior. And all we can do is pause and admire your sovereignty, the sureness of your grasp on the helm of history, the precision of your judgment sword and the abiding, enduring, everlasting promise of your restoration. Lord, you sought an intercessor for Jerusalem and you said you found none. Well, here we are listening, eager, ready to be used by you in ways that align with your real. Lord, raise us up as your modern day intercessors. Give us the strength and the perceptiveness, the spiritual acuity to stand in the gap, to mediate right where we are and ask for you to move, heal, touch, deliver, and bring your peace, justice, love, and faith to the people and places that you've positioned us to pray for. Above all, Lord, our journey through this word and specifically through Ezekiel's prophecy, it just it increases our desire to know you more, to get closer to you, your constant presence, the certainty of your mercy and grace, and the inner knowing that at our core, we have a spirit-led self that is a perfect self, not in completion, but in progress. It's a self that is not yet at the destination, but it's on a journey, a self that is not yet fully transformed. But thank you, Jesus, that we're being transformed, a self that is not yet fully sanctified, but that is being sanctified day by day. Lord, no, we're not yet fully perfected, but we are being perfected. And we look forward to that day when we can see you face to face and know that we have been made whole and made complete in you. Lord, as we part ways right now, may the truths that we've encountered on this journey linger. Immerse us in your love, guide us by your light and stir in us a, a will to live rooted in your truth. In the saving name of Jesus, we pray this prayer and all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today, I'm content with my past accomplishments, but refuse to be confined by them. I am continuously pushing my boundaries to discover what more I can do. I'm content with my past accomplishments, but refuse to be confined by them. I am continuously pushing my boundaries to discover what more I can do. And our aphorism, a man who is satisfied with what he has done will never become famous for what he will do. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary expedition with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.